chapter 1. We're going to stand in just a few moments, and we're going to read together from the Word of God. Let me uh, tell you that this evening, I want to share with you how I pray for you. Some years ago, the Lord gave me this first chapter of Colossians, and a portion of it in particular as a distinct, what I would call a Bible promise about his leading in the ministry here in this church. And it's very unique because I, I mentioned that uh, several weeks ago, and one of our dear ladies here in the church came to me and said, Brother Tom, when I prayed for you for many uh, months, uh, I would pray for you from the first chapter of Colossians. I was overwhelmed with that. I was so grateful for that because it happens to be one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. Some years ago, in fact, farther uh, than I can remember, I suppose now probably 20 25 years ago, when I was just young in the ministry, I've been preaching now for 33 years, 34 years, and I was just starting out in the ministry, my father gave me a book by a man by the name of J.H. Jowett, and he said there's a little suggestion in this book about prayer that I believe will help you as you pastor churches. And so I read this book. I'll be eternally grateful to my dad for giving me that book. I read the book, but I read the little chapter in there specifically about prayer. And it was as a result of the suggestion of that author and the encouragement of my father that I began doing something many years ago that I continue now. And if you're a member of First Southern, you know that I continue it. And that is that uh, every day, uh, Marge Malone, now my secretary, but I've done this for years with others and by myself, as a matter of fact. Uh, she sends out about 10 letters a day. It used to be five letters a day. Our church grew, and, and now it takes 10 letters a day really to get us through uh, the church role in a year. And you've gotten those letters. If you've been here as long as I have now, you've gotten those letters for going on nine years now. We're headed toward nine years together. And... Um, uh, once or twice a year, you'll get a letter from me that says, you know, I love being your pastor, which I do. But on the date below, I'm going to be praying for you. Would you please let me know how I can pray for you? I tell you, uh, every morning when I come into my office, Marge has a list of people that I'm to pray for that day. Underneath that list, she has your letters. Now, some of you are good to write. Some of you are terrible. You don't write. I thought one time, I think I just won't pray for people who don't write. If they don't care to write, I won't pray for them. Then I thought, that's wrong because I said in the letter, I'm really going to pray for them on that day. So I go ahead and pray for you folks, even if you don't take the time to write. Um, a lot of you come up later and say, you know, my prayer day was last week. I didn't write you. And I tell them, and I didn't pray for you. Um, <clears throat> it's too late. You missed your prayer. But uh, those letters are so wonderful. And I cannot tell you how often as I read those letters and begin to intercede for you, the Lord just reveals your heart to me. And uh, many of you have come back later and said, you know, God answered those prayers. You want, we want you to pray for our family, the salvation of a family member, or somebody who was ill or for a job or as we move. God answered those prayers. It's such a privilege to pray for you. Well, what are my specific prayers for you. Well, they are found in Colossians chapter 1. Now, I'm going to call this your pastor's prayers, how your pastor prays for you. Paul was really not the pastor of the church at Colossae. As a matter of fact, as far as we know, he never visited there. 
He only knew what was going on there because Epaphras brought him a message about what was going on in Colossae. And you remember there were some problems. They were, they practiced what was called syncretism. They picked up a little, they had Christianity, but then they started picking up from other religions little things that they liked, you know, little rituals and beliefs that really tainted the purity of their Christian faith. So Paul had a lot that he could uh, pray for the Christians in Colossae. But let me uh, read to you a portion of Scripture and share with you tonight, and, and I think probably it will take tonight and this Wednesday evening as well. Uh, let me share with you how I pray for you. So stand with me, if you will, please. I'm going to begin reading verse 9 of Colossians chapter 1. For this cause, says the Apostle Paul, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Now, here is the content of his prayer and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us unto the kingdom or into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they're thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Wow, Paul, that is a mouthful, right? That's one sentence, really. Now, I'm not going to preach on this entire text this evening. I, the time does not permit. But uh, I want to share with you how I pray for you, all right? Father, I do pray right now that your Holy Spirit will open our hearts, make us sensitive to your word, make us ready, eager to hear from you. Father, it would be so easy just to slide through this time and, and to uh, forget that we will give an account before you one day of how we spend this time together in your word. And so, Father, we're trusting that your Holy Spirit will impact our lives through the minutes that we spend together. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. I really do love to pray for you. And uh, what you will find in this chapter is something of a guide. You might want to use it to pray for yourself or to pray for other people. But you can know that this is my prayer for the congregation of this church, uh, which God has so wonderfully privileged me uh, to be the pastor of. And so I want you with your Bible open to the first chapter of Colossians to look with me at your pastor's prayer for you. Uh, let's look at the, the elements of it. First of all, I pray that you will be filled with the will of God or the knowledge of God's will. I want you to know what God wants you to do. As a matter of fact, when I am preparing uh, messages to preach, one of the questions that I ask over and over again is this, how will this change what we're doing? What, what is practical about this that will really make a difference in my life or in the life of this congregation? When this service is over, what difference does it make? So what? And I have to ask, answer that question. Will this be 
an encouragement to people? Will it be an unfolding of what is the will of God for their lives? Now look with me, if you will, please, in verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and here is the content of his prayer, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, I want you to circle some words as I tell you what they mean, and this will help you to understand how important this prayer is. First of all, that word for filled means literally filled to overflowing, so just circle it. And when you read that word in your Bible, it means not just to fill up, but it means fill up and spill over. An abundance of. It's, what the, it's, it's actually a word that's used to describe the process by which they would fill up a sheep cup. You know what a sheep cup is? It was carved out of stone in the 23rd Psalm where it says, my cup runs over. The sheep says that to the shepherd. My cup runs over. He's referring to what was called a sheep cup. When there was not water someplace close and the shepherd would have to draw water for the sheep, he would pour it into this carved out or hewn out stone and he would fill it up. Well, of course, what the sheep would want would be for him to fill it up until it was running down the side. So there was plenty of it. And so he says, I want you to be filled to overflowing with the knowledge. Now, circle the word knowledge. That word in the original language, epignosis, means precise knowledge. Just, it's not just knowing some things God might want you to do. He says, I want you to be filled overflowing with the precise, accurate knowledge of his will. Exactly what God wants for you. Now notice this, in all wisdom, now, Wisdom, you know, begins with the fear of God. Wisdom is more than the accumulation of facts. That's knowledge. But wisdom is that which comes to us when we say, God, what are you saying to me through this? Now, notice this. And spiritual understanding. Now, what I want you to see, especially this evening, this word spiritual, uh, the word that's translated spiritual understanding is a word for the spirit. And understanding is the word sunesis. We get our word synthesis from that. To synthesize something means to bring it all together. Now, you know what he's saying here? He's saying, I'm praying that not only would you know what all the things God wants, but God would show you how it all fits together for your life. I'm praying that, that as you study the Word of God, as you pray, God will take these thoughts which may come to you through Sunday school, may come to you through the sermons that I preach, may come to you through your own private Bible study, may come to you from any one of many different directions, but I'm praying that somehow God will help you to get it all together. Some of the most uh, discouraging experiences of my life have been when I have attempted to counsel people who could not get focused uh, one day they would tell you, this is my problem, and, and you'd deal with that. And then the next day they'd say, no, that's not really my problem. I really need to do this. And, and then you'd try to talk to them. And the, Well, this is what I really ought to do. Maybe I ought to quit everything and go over here. And I mean, you felt like you're... Have you ever tried to catch a cricket? Especially late at night. I mean, <clears throat> and you go in there and say, I know that thing is in here someplace. And it's chirping. It's keeping me awake. It's probably keeping the whole block awake, you know? Crazy cricket. So you go in there and you, <laughs> just cricket. There it is. It's crawling along, you know, beside the baseboard. It's a piece of cake. You reach down to catch that cricket. Have you ever made an idiot of yourself like I have? I mean, you reach down, cricket goes over here, under the chair, and out from under the chair, and it's over here. It's hard to catch a cricket. The best thing to do is just stomp on them. I mean, you know, don't try to catch them and throw them out. I just go ahead and stomp on them. But 
I have talked with people who, whose lives reminded me of the kind of erratic, jumpy, directionless behavior of a cricket. About the time you think they're onto something, oh, they're over here. And about the time you think they've really got this, they say, no, I don't like that. I think it will go over here. They do that with churches. They do that with plans. They do that with systems. You go to their house and you'll find this notebook, that seminar, this set of tapes. They never finished any of them. They just went to all of them a little bit. Have you ever been around anybody like that? Just like a cricket, just here, 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 over here, back over here, and you can never pin them down. They never get it all together. Now, my prayer is this for you, that God would not only reveal his will to you, just be filled with the direction, God, this is how you want me to behave, but that in all these pieces of information that come to you, that God would help you to get it together so that you have a life that has discipline in it, that has pattern in it, that has order in it. One of the things that has encouraged me the most about our young people, I had to share personal testimony. Mike Han was over in Poland until Friday with uh, uh, our young people who are over there, you know, teaching English to these Polish professional people and, and uh, children and high school students and everything else. And I've been getting letters from my daughter, and she's been saying, you know, Daddy, I found me a place to have my quiet time. It's away from everybody else, and I can really meet the Lord there. And uh, so, you know, that really makes a dad's heart proud. But, Mike, when you brought pictures back, Mike brought me back a picture, and he said, this is where Sarah has found a place to have her quiet time. And there's a little desk in there, and a Bible's on it, and a chair, and all that. And the thing that encouraged me, I mean, I'm thrilled she has her quiet time. Of course, that brings great delight to any, any pastor's and any parent's heart to know that people spend time with God every day. But the thing that encouraged me about this is that in the midst of all the craziness of going overseas and spending your life over there doing things that you've never done before, you see, a quiet time is order. It is pattern. It is, get, is a place to get it all together. You understand what I'm saying? And so my prayer is somehow that you, don't, you, you are an individual who has something more than a knowledge of a lot of things God might want you to do, but that in your life you'd get it together, that you'd have full understanding of the will of God. You'd put, God would put it together and show you how you could live a disciplined life, a life that is pleasing to the Lord. So that's my first prayer for you, that you would be filled with his will, all right? Secondly, not only filled with the will of God, that you would be faithful in your walk with God. That you would be faithful in your walk with God. Notice verse 10. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Now, there is a little phrase that has stuck in my mind. It is this, our walk and our talk ought to come out even. Now, let, let me tell you when I first thought of that phrase. It's sort of a funny thing. You see, I, I, was, I was in seminary, and I was pastor of what was then and, and probably remains forever the smallest church in all of Dallas, Texas. I mean, uh, we had about enough people to flag down a handcar. Wonderful church, great time, pastored there three years. God showed us some great victories there, but it probably was. It was probably the smallest church in the whole of the Dallas Baptist Association. There's some big churches in Dallas Association. Well, one, one year they were having the association meeting, 
And uh, Brother Jack, I got a phone call from the director of our association. He said, would you lead the opening prayer at the association? Okay, well, see, in those days, I thought when it got time for the opening prayer of the association, every pastor in Dallas Association would be there in his place. I mean, I, in my mind, I saw there'll be W.A. Criswell. There'll be Dr. Colton, pastor of, of Royal Lane Baptist Church. I just figured the church would be filled. They would be there because it was time to start. I thought you were supposed to be there when you started. Isn't that a crazy notion? And um, I thought they'll all be there. And, um, and, and so I better make this prayer come out. You know, this, this ought to be a great prayer. Well, you know, the Lord has an unusual way of humbling you I, because for weeks I thought, what am I going to say in this prayer? And I came up with this little phrase, help our walk and our talk to come out even. Isn't that catchy? Help our, and I thought, well, I'll put that in a prayer. That'll really impress Dr. Criswell and some of those guys. Help our walk and our talk to come out even. Now, let, let me tell you the other side of the story. The other side of the story is, and I, I say this with reservation, but, but the, because this, I believe God did this. But I, when I got there, nobody was there to start with, okay? I mean, I went down and sat beside the piano up at the front, and nobody, nobody was there. I, I was surprised. I thought, you know, Chris will be on the front row, and the rest of the guys will be around there someplace. And, and this is, you know, they'd be there to hear my prayer, especially my walk and talk come out even thing. And um, <clears throat> they weren't there. A few people did drift in, and it came time to start, and they asked me to pray. And I said, dear God... And I don't know what happened to the guy, whether he got sick or he got in a fight with somebody or something, you know, somebody off the street. But a guy at the back of the auditorium started screaming, yeah, and I said, and Lord, I, yeah, you crazy. And I was praying, and the whole time, you know, help our walk and our talk to come out. And about the time I said amen, he said, okay. And if Dr. Chris had been there, he wouldn't have heard that prayer. I'm not even sure God heard that prayer, you know. But... The backside of all that humiliating experience was this. I really do believe that our walk and our talk ought to come out even. Now, that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He said, I am praying that you might walk worthy of the Lord, that the way you live ought not to surprise people when they discover that you're a Christian. They ought not to say, are you kidding? Him? Her? Don't tell me you go to church. It ought to be a surprise. As a matter of fact, they ought to have a sneaking suspicion by the way we walk that we do know something about the Lord and his will for our Lord, our lives. Notice here also he says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Now that's an interesting phrase in the original language. It means that not only that you might walk worthy of the Lord, but that you might want to walk worthy of the Lord that it might be your desire, that it might be your greatest pleasure in life to walk worthy of the Lord. Now, usually I preach to all the young people who are out here and all the young people are behind me, except some are out here. But uh, uh, I remember there was a time in my life, and I don't remember how old I was, but there was a time in my life when I discovered that it was more fun pleasing my parents than it was making them mad. Not just easier on certain portions of my body, but, but that it was just more, there was something neat about pleasing your parents. I mean, that, that sort of delighted my heart to want to make them happy. Now, that is precisely what the Scripture is saying about our walk with God. Not only should we walk as a Christian ought to walk, but he says, my prayer is that you would want to do that that you'd do it, but more than that, that you'd be, you'd, that'd be your desire to do it, that, that, that you, out of the overflowing of your heart, that you would want to please God. 
Not because you had to, but because you want to. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. So, my first prayer is that you might be filled with the will of God. Secondly, that you might be faithful in your walk with God. Number three, that you might be fruitful in the work of God. That you might be fruitful in the work of God. Notice here he says, being fruitful in every good work, literally producing fruit in every good work. And by the way, he says, while you're doing that as you're being fruitful, you are increasing in the knowledge of God. The very fact that you are working, doing what God wants you to do, bearing fruit in that, in that particular ministry, you're learning more about God, about how to please God every day that you live. You know, uh, men, aren't ladies a mystery to you? I mean, they're so mysterious. You, you can't ever figure these ladies out. You know, you get in jams. You, 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 have you ever figured out how late? I think they plan this. They say things that, that you have no good answer for. I mean, no matter what you say, you are trapped. For instance, I had a guy tell me one time, he said, my wife, he said, she's standing in front of a mirror and she said, she said, I'm, I'm fatter than I've ever been before. What could he say if he said, no, you're not. That wouldn't work. If he said, yes, you are. Whoa, you know. You know, ladies are a mystery. It's just a, it's just a mystery. I mean, being married to my wife has been an interesting pilgrimage. I, it just, it's just been an interesting thing. Uh, sometimes I just look at her in amazement and just say, you know, this is a mystery, mysterious thing God has put in my life. And uh, I love it. I wouldn't trade her or it or the experience or anything for anything in all the world. But you know something, I just learn every day. You know, we've been married now 27, 28 years, and she'll correct me when I get home, you know. But, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I'm still finding out things about her. I'm still learning about, I mean, just wonderful things about her. And the more we have worked together, the more I find out about her. Now, here is my prayer for you, that you would be fruitful in your work, that what you put your hand to that is God's will for your life, that as you work, that God would really prosper that, but that in the course of working for the Lord, whether it's teaching Sunday school to first graders for 10 years, but in the course of that, whatever it is, that you would keep on learning about God. That the very fact you are working with him means you are learning more and more about it. And you back up sometimes and say, God, I thought I had you figured out. I thought, man, this is so wonderful. This is a brand new principle. You see, the worst thing that can happen to anybody in this congregation is for you to get the point in your life where you feel like you have arrived. You know what the Apostle Paul says? He says, I count not myself to have apprehended. That's just a long way of saying, I haven't arrived yet. I'm not there. I'm on the way, but I'm not there. But I meet people all the time who figure out that they are at an age and stage in life where they have just arrived. There's not anything any preacher is going to tell them. 
Nobody's going to inform them of anything new in any Sunday school class. They've heard everything there is to hear. They've seen everybody that's going to go down the pike. They've seen every, everything, heard everything. They already know everything. They are set in their ways, and they are not going to change one iota. I mean, they are not going to budge. They're not God's chosen. They're God's frozen people. I mean, they just, they're just there, and this is, I'm not going to learn anything, you know? And the Apostle Paul says, my prayer is this, that you would be in the harness with God to this extent that every day is a learning experience. That you cast yourself upon him to the extent that every day you learn some new aspect of his grace, some new aspect of his power in your life, all right? So my prayer for you is that you be filled with the will of God, that you be faithful in your walk with God, fruitful in your work for God. Let me just mention one other right quick. We'll complete this on Wednesday evening. But that you be fervent in your warfare with God. Fervent in your warfare. Notice verse 11, strengthened. And this is the same word. We talk about power being dunamis or dynamite in the New Testament. Really, uh, that's where we may get our word dynamite from that. But, he, but that's the word that's used here. That you might be strengthened, that, that you might get dynamite from all dynamite here, he says. That you might be strengthened with all the power that God has according to his glorious power. And another word is used there for his glorious power. It's talking about his overwhelming strength. Um, not long from now, my son and I are going to do something that we have dreamed about for a long time. I mean, really. Um, John and I were sitting at a, at a, in a Mexican restaurant one time, and uh, I said, John, you know, as a, as a dad of all these girls, you know, they, they come along and we have their weddings, but I guess guys, you know, they don't do special things like that. But uh, you're getting ready to graduate from high school, so what's something just you and I could do together, just to spend some time together? So... We came with this idea, and we're going to go to Africa in, uh, not long from now, and we're going to, we're going to uh, do a crusade in Africa, and then we're going to spend a few days while we're there hunting and um, um, with some friends that, that, of ours over there. Well, we're going to hunt cats probably. I don't know. Don't get on. <laughs> but anyway, <clears throat> who knows? For those of you, you know, environmentalists and so forth, anyway, this is, this is you know, so... <clears throat> I mean, it's going to be all right and everything, okay? But I was thinking about when we used to live in Africa and we would go hunting and, and uh, when the animals were really big and we knew they were, the animals we were hunting were going to be really big and I mean, they were going to be food. But sometimes we'd take that, um, for instance, that 30-06 cartridge and when it was uh, loaded, we would put maybe five extra grains of powder in it to give it a little more punch, you know, because the animal was bigger. And, and, and what the Apostle Paul is saying here, he says, I, I want you to realize you don't have to just live your life like a regular bullet. You know, just, just shooting what regular stuff does, accomplishing what regular folks accomplish. There's more. You can be strengthened. I mean, you can get the, the overwhelm from the dominion of God. That word kratos here that's used, from God's dominion. There is a glorious power available to you that will enable you in warfare to accomplish more than you ever thought was possible. As a matter of fact, in this warfare, he says, you'll discover, he says that you will be strengthened unto all patience and long-suffering. You'll even go through that with joyfulness because you know on the other side, God's got the victory for you because you have the power of God. So my prayer for you is that you'd be fervent in your warfare, strengthened 
through these times when you have to be patient, through the times when you have to be long-suffering. There's an interesting word that is used there for long-suffering, that you would be strengthened in this time of warfare. Now, you may not believe this, if that doesn't change it, but I really do pray for you. That's not all I pray for you. In fact, I'll share the rest of it with you on Wednesday evening, but, but I really do pray for you. And I do pray that you'll be filled with the will of God. And I do pray that you'll be faithful in your walk with God. And um, I do pray that you'll be fervent in your work with God, forceful in the warfare. I, I, I pray that God somehow would raise up in this place men and women who are mighty in God. I look across this congregation and I see people to whom the Lord has spoken in special ways. And Forrest, when you came walking in a few moments ago, you and Dawn, and I thought about that time when you sat in my office and you said, I think God's will is for me to lay down my, uh, my business, which is very successful because I believe God's speaking to me about being a pastor and my, how God has anointed his work as a pastor and God's given him a vision. I hope our church can participate in his vision for reaching the far northern part of this county, I mean with the gospel in an explosive way. My prayer is that God would raise up mighty men and women in your homes, in your workplaces, at school, in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood, that God would make you mighty, faithful, fervent, forceful, filled with the will of God, that it might be no surprise to anybody, hey, those folks have given their lives to Jesus, that that ought to catch anybody by surprise. Now, that's part of my prayer for you. Would you bow your head and would you stand to your feet, please? Heads are bowed. The eyes are closed and let's stand to our feet. We're going to have a time of invitation. And uh, I'm going to ask our counselors to come even now. And let me say to those of you who've joined our church in recent services, Maybe you were baptized tonight, as a matter of fact, or in one other service. We've never introduced you to your church family. Maybe you joined by letter from a sister church. We've never introduced you. I'm going to ask you in a few moments when the choir begins singing this hymn of invitation, I'm going to ask you to come and be seated over here where it says seating for new members so we can introduce you at the close of the service. As you know, when you came, you were in a counseling area. We didn't introduce you at that time. So I'm going to ask you to do that right at the very beginning, okay? And your coming is going to encourage some other people to come as well. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, let me just say that I do pray for you. And my prayer for this service this evening is that God will speak to your heart and help you to understand what a serious business this, this whole issue of the Christian life is. And I want to urge you, many of you may want to just come to the altar in a few moments and say, Lord, I want to be filled with your will. And I want to be faithful in my walk. And I, I want to, I, I do, I, that is exactly what I want. And I want to be Strength. I want to be fervent, Lord, as a believer, and, and I want to be forceful in this warfare business. I, I really want that. I desire that. And so I would urge you to come and just kneel here at the altar and say, Lord, you know my heart's desire. But you know what? I believe that there are people here this evening to whom the Lord is speaking about becoming a part of this church family. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing for you on this Sunday evening to come and just say, look, I want to plant my life here at First Southern, or we want to plant our lives. We want our family to just plant itself right here at First Southern and literally reach around the world, but reach our city for Christ. We want to be a part of what God's doing right here. Would you do this, dear family or dear individual? 
Would you, the moment we begin singing in a few minutes, would you make your way to an aisle, come find a counselor and say, look, I want to join or we want to join. What a joy that would be. How we would welcome you with open arms and rejoice in that. I believe there are those here who cannot say, I'm a child of God. You have no idea. You'd love to believe that when you died, you'd go to heaven, but you don't know for sure. And so this invitation for you tonight is to make your way to this altar and say, look, I want to receive Christ. I want to receive eternal life. Just think, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He's risen from the grave. He's coming again. And that same Jesus will enter your heart, forgive you of all your sins, give you eternal life tonight. Some of you made that decision maybe even in Sunday school, and you'll want to come and register that tonight in this service. That's right. Come find a counselor and say, look, today I got saved. I trusted Jesus. Others of you will say, I want to do that tonight. I want to receive Christ as my Savior. Well, I want to urge you to come and make that decision tonight. Would you do that? While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. Then our choir is going to begin singing this hymn of invitation, your invitation to come to Jesus. Father in heaven, my prayer is right now that people would step to the aisle, make their way forward, saying yes to everything that you've put on their heart. Oh, Lord, bring them to you, I pray, in your wonderful, your precious, and your matchless name. Amen. As we begin singing, you just step to the aisle, come, and join some who are already coming right now to say yes to Jesus. Let's sing together.